0: Well, I'm excited. I'm happy to welcome you wherever you're making your connection with us today. Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, across the nation, around the world through Church Online. And I'd like to start a little bit differently. If you're listening to me right now, could we all together in one voice say, God bless you, Pastor. Here we go. God bless you, Pastor. Amen. I hope you felt that wherever you are. And I want to shoot the blessing back to you and start this third message in our Redefining Romance series with a warning. A warning. Warning. The message you're about to hear is subversive. It's countercultural. The stories in it are true, with names omitted to protect the confidentiality of those who have spoken to me across the years and the many places that I have been serving in ministry. And uh, no animals were injured in the making of this message. That last statement um, is my attempt to, at humor to lighten the top a very heavy topic today, a tough topic that touches us in tender places. So if you're an animal lover, please don't be offended with that joke. But may I just be up front, right up front, can I just be up front? My anticipation today is that listeners are going to be all over the page in responding to what I'm about to say. Some people are going to say, you know, this is, see, they're going to dismiss me as this is irrelevant. It's so out of step with culture today. You know, kind of get a clue. Somebody else I'm anticipating will say, come on, Bill, you know, say it louder. Say it stronger. While somebody else is going to be listening and saying, you know, this really doesn't, doesn't apply to me at all because I'm not even married yet. And then I'm going to have other people thinking thinking to themselves, hey, you know what, Bill, I really need this Give me some help here to guard my relationship and to guide me into the full blessing God has for me. And then I'm also anticipating somebody thinking, man, you know, this is touching a tender place that hurts a lot for me. And I'm just wondering if there's any healing that is going to come out of this today. So, you know, we're all over the page. So I welcome your blessing. God bless you, Pastor Bill, as we seek to deal with a tough topic that touches us in tender tender places. By the way, if you want some real insight in toward healing on the other side of this, then there are some great resources we put in the Christ Journey app, and one of them is Anatomy of an Affair by Dave Gardner. I hope that you will um, access some of those tools, and there's tools there for parents as well to enter the conversation. Dave Carter, excuse me. Uh, The message title is simply this, Affair Proof Your Life, not your marriage, your life. And my hope is that um, you will find help here, whether you're unmarried and thinking maybe someday, or maybe you're married and thinking about someday, that we will find help here and healing for hearts that are hurting and at risk. Um, maybe you're already thinking, you know, um, this hurts pretty bad and you've been injured. Well, I hope, my hope for you is that you will find help and healing here for a happier future. Maybe it hasn't happened to you, and my hope here is that you will find help that can prevent it ever happening. So I'm thinking, um, you know, uh, if you storm-proof your home, it doesn't mean that the storm will never come. It simply means that you've done all that you could so that when it does come, there's going to be life on the other side of the storm. And so I'm viewing the affair in this context as uh, the storm. And when I say affair, let me just be real clear about this. I'm talking about sexual infidelity outside a faithful marriage of a man and a woman. Now, there was a time when our culture called this adultery, a time when we called it fornication. Um, the behavior that I'm speaking about, let me very, be very clear, is sex outside the covenant of marriage. A tough topic. It touches us in some tender places. Um, if you're married, that means sex with somebody other than your spouse. If you're unmarried, it means sex before you're married to your spouse. But when I say affair, what I'm talking about is sexual involvement outside the covenant of marriage. Now, already, you know, some unmarried folks are already in their rebuttal. You know, I'm not having an affair, Bill. You know, I'm having fun. I'm having consensual, casual sex with a consenting adult. So why is this your business? May I assure you I'm not interested in sticking my nose in your business. But part of my calling, part of my task is to seek to bring us into the full blessing of Jesus in every part of our lives, and especially one as significant as this. And my commitment, my conviction is that God wants us to have the best. I believe God wants us to have the best, but in our fallen humanity, we tend to settle for less. And that means that we cheat sometimes, and we cheat on ourselves. Have you ever thought that you might be cheating on yourself? Is that possible? That, uh, that you can be cheating yourself? You know, God, God has thought about that. Here's what he says. You know, you think you're treating yourself, but, but really you're cheating yourself. And that's his perspective. Cheating yourself of what? Well, not only yourself, but your future spouse, your marriage yet to be from the intimacy of God's best. Okay, hold up, Bill. <laughs> are you saying that if I save my sexual involvement for marriage, that that will guarantee that I will experience God's best, you know, the highest, deepest, greatest sexual experience of intimacy that I could have? That emotionally, physically, and spiritually, I could have everything God wants for me? No, I'm not saying that. But, but, if that's what you want, that can start wherever you are. And for those who, have a taste of what I just talked about, you know what? It takes work and growth to get there. Having sex is one thing, but experiencing oneness of soul, spirit, and body is God's best that he's wanting to protect. So I'm thinking, you know, that happens within covenant commitment that he's desiring, and that growth toward God's best can begin wherever you are. With whomever you are, whatever the storm has been. So, bottom line: here it is: sexual promiscuity is a kind of premarital infidelity or extramarital infidelity that puts that intimacy at risk. Your intimacy with God, your intimacy with yourself, telling yourself the truth, your intimacy with another who could be one day your spouse and your family and generations that will flow from that union. Now, you think somebody's already sinking again in their head. You know, you're only saying this because you're a pastor. Al contraire. I have heard non-faith-based counselors and TED Talk givers <laughs> define infidelity to include hookups, friends with benefits, Massages with happy endings, sexting, swinging, and many other euphemisms. Now, if that sounds close-minded to you, let me invite you. Could I just invite you, please be open-minded enough not to shut this thing down or judge me before you've even heard what I have to say because of what you might have heard in the past. I am speaking as a pastor. But I'm speaking as one today who has served as a relational sounding board and counsel to many who have found themselves on several different sides of this very issue. And I'm promising you there are many sides to this issue, but there are at least two. Heads, like a coin, heads would be the affair, and tails is the storm of betrayal and devastation of trust that accompanies that. That it unleashes so in many ways, this talk is going to include like a minority report, a minority report that, that voices, that, that through which we might be able to hear the voices that sometimes are overwhelmed by the noise of culture, the noise of TV, the noise of social media, you know, that just froths it up, the voices of people who feel shattered. Heart, hearts broken, and children whose foundations have been, like, shaken on Richter scale level, especially if they were expected to, like, keep the secret. Relationship therapist Esther Perrell, whose TED Talk on infidelity has over 7 million viewers, says this, infidelity is the ultimate betrayal. Which means on the face of it, it's not simply uh, recreation. It's not simply a casual encounter. It's not simply stress relief. It's much deeper, this relationship counselor says, and, and more mysterious than that. It, it can touch the very core of your emotional self, your soul. And here's what I'm thinking. Since Jesus cares about people he cares about our emotional cores and our very soul, then wouldn't we expect him to care about this, especially people who have been deceived and betrayed? And the story of Scripture says that's all of us. We've all been deceived and betrayed, deceived and betrayed by sin. The fall of humanity came through the deception and betrayal of sin, which, long story short, is why Jesus came, as God incarnate, to give himself on behalf of those of us who have been deceived and betrayed, and then so that we could find help and healing and hope for broken hearts because of the deception and betrayal of sin. So, in fact, Jesus says that sometimes entire generations, I don't know if you agree with this, but this is what Jesus said, sometimes whole generations of people can find themselves conflicted and suffering because of what he calls wicked and adulterous realities. In fact, the time that he was living in, Jesus said, I'm in one of those times when he was in his ministry. He called it a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks a sign, looking for something to feel and move them, to seek a sign. And and my opinion is that we seem to be living in such a time today. This, our time is marked by sexual immorality, by unfaithfulness, by cheating. Don't have to look far to find a story about that. Prophet Hosea said he too was living in a time like that when he was doing his ministry. He said, you know, even his own wife was unfaithful to him time and time and time again. The story of Hosea is about that. And at the same time, God's people, Israel, We're treating God the same way, being unfaithful and cheating on God. So that uh, one of the verses in Hosea, he says, is uh, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Meaning they've opened a Pandora's box. They didn't know this, but this is what was happening. They opened a Pandora's box that is now unleashing unintended and unforeseen consequence that keeps rising in this Intensity, increasing intensity. David's time was another time like this that the Scripture tells about. His son Amnon feels this after manipulating his half-sister Tamar into a trap and then forcing her into sex. And then on the other side of that, his lust turns into self-disgust, into self-loathing, and then he ruins her life by throwing her out. The story is told in 2 Samuel chapter 13. It says Amnon hated her. With intense hatred. This is touching the emotional core of his being, right? He hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. And he said to her, get up and get out. That's part of the story when you're part of a wicked and adulterous generation, the brokenness. But you know what? We never thought this would happen. We we didn't anticipate this. How did we? I didn't see that coming. How did we get this far? Those are the kinds of things that I hear when people are talking to me privately about this very topic, about this issue. I've heard words like that come from a desperate husband and a dad who all of a sudden realizes that he's about to lose everyone he cares for because of something he did. I've heard it from kids who are now grown and they're trying to sort through the deceptive infidelity of a parent that they love and trust and know from their life. I've heard it from a woman who, uh, whose mother chose denial instead of facing the immoralities that were foisted upon her daughter in her own home, from a young woman who uh, who was in what she thought was a caring relationship, only to devolve into the expectation of sex every time they got together. And she didn't know what to do about it. She didn't know how to get out. She didn't know how to find her voice. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to stop it. So I have prayed with husbands who uh, felt devastated about wives that were cheating with their trainers. I've prayed with wives who were trying to find their self-worth after discovering their husband's affair. I have counseled couples where one spouse is so angry about the infidelity they've experienced that they commit adultery as an act of revenge against their spouse. I've counseled couples whose relationship began as an affair that took down another marriage only to discover in their own marriage that it is now haunting their relationship as well. How he didn't see that coming? How did it become this? How, How did it? You know, the wind became a whirlwind, and that's what happens when you find yourself in an adulterous generation. Now, if anybody listening has reason to to say, you know, I can relate to this for whatever reason, this may be a good place for us to remember that you're not alone. That our Savior is close. That God is not. Absent, that God has not forsaken, that God loves us even in our brokenness. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is not absent from the situation, but he is closest, closer than your breathing. Which raises the question then, how do we move from hurt to hope? If we're courageous enough to, if you're still with me, if you're still hanging in there in the conversation, you haven't blocked this thing out saying, you know, how much longer oh, I think I might, could make it. By the way, thanks for your courage and willing to listen in. God is present in your pain, but how do we move from hurt to hope? How are we to uh, survive? You know, is there a way, really, is there a way to affair fair proof your life? And my conviction is, yes, there is, and I have seen couples Many of the people I just spoke about, I have seen husbands and wives and children find their way through by the grace of God and the truth that can set us free to find hope and help and healing in those deep places of hurt. My bottom line conviction is that with God, all things are possible. That nothing is impossible for God. That's what the angel told Mary. Jesus said this, with God, all things are possible. And that applies to this situation as well. So whatever trauma you have been a part of, then God's healing can pour mercy into the wounded place. And Dr. Jesus gives us a prescription you may want to listen into today. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. It's a strange one. A wicked and adulterous generation, Jesus said, asked for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus says, oh, wicked and adulterous generation, that where you find yourself? Let me point you to the story of Jonah. Now, that's very strange, isn't it? What in the world does the story of Jonah have to do with affairs? Well, Jonah was rebellious against God. That's where it all started. And it occurs to me that's where adultery starts, too, in a rebellious heart. You know, Jonah didn't didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. Jonah just wanted to do what Jonah wanted to do, (laughs) right? And that's where it all started. And that's where affairs tend to start as well. And he was self-justifying and he was rationalizing it all the way, and it took him all the way down. That's the story of Jonah. All the way down into the belly, the bottom of the sea, the belly of a fish. And then Jesus says this, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, the Son of Man is also going to do time in the heart of the earth. He's talking about his death and his burial, that something mysteriously profound is going to take place on behalf of a wicked and adulterous generation, that God is going to go all the way down, that God is, is, I think Jesus is saying this, you know, I don't know what you believe about Jonah and the story of the big fish, but what I'm taking from Jesus is he's saying this. This is, this is, oh my goodness, listen, I'm going to go all the way down. I'm going to go all the way deep into death and the grave. If you want to know how to affair proof your life for in, in an adulterous generation, then here's, here it is. Let me go all the way deep with you. If there's a bottom line for the talk, that's it. Let God go all the way deep with you. Deep into your rebellious heart. Deep into your wayward nature. Deep into the pain. Into your pride. Into your despair. Into your longings. Into your needs. Hey, listen, we all have needs, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, many affairs swirl around unmet needs. If you you want to affair-proof your life, what I'm taking from this is you've got to start by being aware of your needs. Why? Because consciously or unconsciously, you know what? You're going to be trying to get your needs met. Jonah thought that's what he was doing. (laughs) And... uh, And that's what tends to mislead us into misguided affairs. Identity needs. Let's talk about them. What kind of needs? Identity needs. This is needs of self-image, self-worth. Am I lovable? Do I matter? Am I known? Does anybody respect me for who I am? Now, sometimes these needs will show up in emotional immaturity. What does that look like? Well, some emotional immaturity is just selfishness. I want what I want because I want it. Give it to me now emotional immaturity, selfishness. Sometimes it shows up as ingratitude, just like a spoiled child, you know. You owe me. I don't I don't thank you, but you owe me. You it's you're here to meet my needs. And then there's pride. Pride just says I won't admit it when I'm wrong. The ultimate place to find affirmation in your identity, Jesus taught, is in the love of God. The love of God who's willing to go all the way deep for you, the love of God who made you, who knows you, who loves you, who gets you, who in Christ became like you so that he could understand you and go all the way down. That's what he's saying. I'm gonna go into death and the grave because I am here on your behalf. And then he helps us understand our value to God which is the heart of the value that then spills over into every other relationship with your parents, your family, your church family, and your spouse. So if you're confused or uncertain about your personal identity and how well loved you are by God, then listen, you're on a slippery slope. That's what Jesus, you're you're at risk. So if you're wondering, is this about me? Well, that might be. So what? So let God love you for who you are and then receive that love as he goes all the way deep with you. You willing? Second need, intimacy needs. This is how you feel. Intimacy is more than physical, it's emotional. So this is about sensing and then voicing your emotional needs. And counselors say this is the way to true intimacy. Into me see, you've got to let somebody else see your soul. So are you angry, are you happy, are you lonely, are you sad? Becoming emotionally intelligent, which is what Angie talked about last week, is the way to get there. The longings of your heart, finding voice, and then being present, first with yourself and then with God. Your vertical relationship, and then it goes horizontal, okay? You, the, then, you, then with your trusted friends. And if you're married, then with your spouse. So the point is, you know, if you find yourself talking about your emotional needs with a opposite sex colleague at work instead of your spouse that's slippery slope when you start comparing what you think you have with what you imagine somebody else having in their relationship that's slippery slope instead of talking it over with your spouse instead of bringing it present and saying let's get this thing transparent here that's your intimacy need alarm is going off pay attention and and do what? Let God go all the way deep with you. Then there's injury needs. This is where you hurt. Are you bearing resentment? Are you holding a grudge? Do you have unfulfilled expectations that are still not being met and it left you feeling neglected or re- bitter or resentful or insecure or stressed or confused? You know, it's like man, you got to take a little soul pulse on what's going on inside of you. Are you conflicted with money? with kids with in-laws with work with your own sex life then stop and identify where you're hurting injury needs place you at risk a tool that counselors use many 12-step programs use toward emotional intelligence in this regard is called halt b h a l t b you just check yourself Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? Am I bored? And then those experiences of emotion can lead you to make poor decisions, and then poor decisions can yield to sinful decisions that lead to destructive outcomes. That's what James says, sin starts with desire, you know, and then it becomes sin when we choose the wrong path. And then that brings shame and regret. So when you're tempted to self-medicate with drinking or eating or binging or you know whatever it is, you know for me I've learned a signal in my life it's chocolate chip cookies. When I get in the mood to have chocolate chip cookie dough, then I know something else is going on. I'm stressing someplace in my life. And so it's not just that, oh, I love chocolate chip cookies because I do. They're so great and I like mixing the dough and I eat the dough and I've been warned against the salmonella. I know about all that stuff. But I still want it, you know. So I've learned that if I will track back on that thread, that I'll find that there's something else going on. Where am I stressing? Where am I feeling conflicted? What's giving rise to this emotional longing that's showing up in my hunger? Because that's like a legit place for pastors to go, right? No. it's It's a dashboard indicator that says, pay attention, Bill, there's some injury somewhere. Conflict's not a bad thing. There can be no intimacy without conflict. It's just on the other side of conflict. But if you're not aware of your conflicts, then I'm telling you, your injury need dashboard indicator is flashing. So what? So let God go deep with you there, into your hurts. Fourth needs, integrity needs. What is true? What's real? What's the real way forward, you know? Not the fantasy. Not this, the wished for. Not just where your thoughts run wild, if you could go there. No, 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 no. What what we're asking for here is a way to slice through the deception and then stay true to what we know is real from God, because the bottom line, once again, God is your ultimate need meter. And as He meets the needs, then out of that healthy, growing place, we relate to one another. So, when the uh, deception, that God does that for Jonah, by the way, His identity needs. Who you? Who are you, Jonah? Where are you hurting, Jonah? What are you feeling, Jonah? How did you wind up here, Jonah? In the conversation. And he says, and I've got, so, I've got a future for you, Jonah. It's the conversation with God that meets his needs. And Jesus, could Jesus be saying the same thing? When you find yourself at risk of a wicked and adulterous generation, then you've got to be willing to let God go deep with you and ask the questions about your needs so that he can show you that he is all you need for those needs. Let God go all the way deep with you into those very needs. The way to a fair proof your life is by experiencing God as your need meter. So you let God go all the way deep with you. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> it, to go all the way deep with God, you know what you got to do? You got to stop hiding first. You got to stop pretending. You got uh, to start stepping into the truth and light, which is what we're trying to do today as a tough topic touches us in tender places, and we we say, Lord, I'm trying to listen. But going deep with God means that Jesus isn't just something that you do on Sunday. Jesus, going deep with God means inviting Jesus to bring his everything into your every day in an experience that touches you all the way deep. Does that make sense? And then, you know what, if you're at a place where Jesus is enough, then guess what, you're not looking to your spouse to do stuff for you that only God can do. (laughs) Whether you're married or not married, you know what, you're not looking to another person to do for you what only God can do. You're trusting God to be God and to be your need meter, and you won't be looking somewhere else to do what only God. God can do in his place and time. So here's how you affair-proof your life. You redefine romance. You redefine romance to go all the way deep with Jesus. All the way deep into your soul awareness. All the way deep into your deep connection. That's what we're talking about. Your heart needs deep connection. You let God go all the way deep with you. And you rely upon his mercy to heal where you hurt. First, your intimacy needs. What you feel then your injury needs, where you hurt, and then you let your mind be guided by his truth, your integrity needs, what's real here. And then you start slicing through all that isn't what's true in your relational, emotional, and sexual experience. You slice through it. You start. You bolster the boundaries, and then you... Uh, you uh, Slice through to build your habits, and you don't just do it one day, you do it every day. It's a daily thing, a daily devotion to Jesus. If you're single, I I like to think about using a Crocodile Dundee knife. That's not a knife, this here's a knife. You use a knife, you got to do some deep slicing or the Nacho Libre uh, Chancho Lucky Machete that his mother gave him, and Nacho's got it now. So, you know, single guys who are saying we got to know how to slice through what's real. And then if you're a couple, then you know scissors are what you use. Now, what's the formal name for scissors? A pair of scissors, right? And here's how scissors behave. When something comes between them, they come together. They become aware and then they come together. So building your habits is about doing things that become second nature to make sure that you always come together. You build habits to do what you did in the beginning. What did you do? You accommodated one another. You accepted one another. You affirmed one another. You gave verbal affirmation to one another. You did physical affection with one another. Same thing. Those are habits that you build into your life so that you're not drifting, but that you're drawing together, and whatever threatens to come between you, you just come together again. That's the principle there. So building your habits means that you build regular time and activity into your schedule to stay soul aware with who you are and then deeply connected with your partner. And if you don't, guess what? If you're not doing that, you're already on slippery slope. Scissors aren't working. If your scissors aren't working, then you're at risk of drifting. You're drifting. What does happen when you drift? You drift away from church. You drift away from your group. You drift away from your spouse. You drift away from yourself. You drift away from God, and you start looking for some sort of feeling, some miraculous sign. If God would just show up, that's what Jesus says, you know. Other things go numb in wicked and adulterous times, and you're looking for something to move you. But the habit's keep you coming together and the boundaries, let you know when you're drifting close to the cliff. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. A wellspring is is a source of flourishing in life. And God wants to guard the source of flourishing in our lives. If you're not yet married, boundaries do that do it in with, within marriage too, and habits do that as well to protect the source of your flourishing life. We've got to ask the question, what do we do if we messed up? Because when you're living in a wicked and adulterous generation, that's what it means. Well, let's go back to the beginning where Jesus started with your relationship with God to the sign of Jonah. God met Jonah in precisely the place of his deep failure. And he gave him a new start. And Jesus says that's the sign that God wants to give an adulterous generation, the sign of Jonah, that in his death, and his burial, Jesus is going all the way down, all the way deep, so that no matter how far down and deep you've gone, he can meet you there, and he can give you healing and a new opportunity. God told this to Hosea. In the the letter of Hosea, uh, God told the people, your sins have been your downfall. That's what took you down. But take words and then turn to the Lord. One of God's love languages is words. You wanna speak God's love language, then bring some words to him. What am I supposed to say? Well, he says, say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously. God says, I will heal your waywardness and love you freely. This we hear echoing in the New Testament as well. 1 John 1.9, he says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means God goes all the way deep and then washes us all the way clean when we come to him. So the way forward is the way of forgiveness. And we let God. Jesus, go all the way deep with us. Somebody's wondering, you know, yeah, that's great, Bill, for the person who did me wrong, but what about me? No, the same truth applies to the wrongdoer and the one done wrong. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, your world, the ones done by you and the ones done to you. He wants to meet you in the deep place of your injury, and he can do it right now. Would you pray with me? Would you let him have his way? Would you just invite him? Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to go all the way deep in me, into my pride, into my wayward heart, into the heart of my pain, the hurt that is calling me and tempting me and misleading me. Thank you, Jesus, that in this storm, you are my life preserver and that you have a rescue team here for us, for me. I'm reaching out to you right now to receive your healing, to receive your guidance, to renew my commitment to let you meet the deep needs of my soul and then bring that healing into my future. What is it that's in your heart that's rising up? Would you let Jesus have it? Meet him at his death and his burial. He was on the cross for that very thing so that forgiveness and freedom could flow. Lord, uh, we've been in deep water here, but we thank you so much that you know how to walk on it and that you can guide us through it and take us safely to healing and help on the other side. Friends, while our heads are still bowed, just for a moment, we've got people here that are ready to have some confidential prayer and intercession. Should you desire that after we dismiss and the room is cleared, just meet me at the cross and we'll be here for you. And then perhaps for somebody else, you would like to welcome the personal love of Jesus in a very personal way to meet you. Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I receive the gift of salvation and ask you to lead me now in my next steps. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps in salvation, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated, Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, Church Online, you can click the orange banner right there in front of you, and uh, we'll be joining you in prayer. Thank you. to the the back on my far right, and then right here in the middle. God bless you. To my left, thank you, sir. Lord Jesus, thank you that nothing is too hard for you. And for each person who is reaching out to you right now, may they sense the presence of your spirit, your comforter, our counselor, and Jesus, you as our physician and our healer, as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.